1: Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. All right, you guys. Um, I don't even know how this... <laughs> yeah. This case is the stuff nightmares are made of. It's horrific. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most brutal murders we have ever, ever covered. Mm-hmm. I just want to put that out there. Like, we're going to do trigger warnings, too, but, like, I just want to make that known. Because I feel like the trigger warnings, while they are very, very uh, appreciated and helpful, it doesn't really—you got to—hearing about it and hearing an overview is completely different, so— Uh, We want to give a hey, girl, thanks to uh, Crystal Bodder, Lena D. Russell, and Lindsay Tanner for requesting the case. Yes, thank you so much. And of course, a hey, girl, thanks to Mark, our little sweetheart, for writing it up. Yay, Marky Mark. Mm -hmm. And here are the trigger warnings. We have murder with a firearm, torture, extreme torture, and rape. Yeah, and again, um... Just like absolute brutality. You know, there are some people who are like, and I know this sounds whatever, but like I can listen to a murder podcast. I can listen to a lot of different things, but like gore kind of stuff is bad. We're not going to go into more detail than is necessary, but just, uh, I just, I can't stress enough. If you're not sure if you can handle it, just, we we just want to put it out there for you. Yes, absolutely. Okay, you guys. Uh, we got a couple things before we get into today's case. First, we want to let you know that in case you haven't been here before, if you're new, welcome. Um, but we take a lighter look at the cases that we cover, and we're not totally scripted. There's going to be some banter here. So we always just like to let you know up front that uh, way you know what to expect, you know? Absolutely. And if you like what you hear and you like this kind of style, we have even more content on our Patreon. And Patreon is a platform where you can actually financially support the shows that you enjoy listening to, but you also get extra content, especially with us. We put out several episodes a week. Oh, absolutely. So tomorrow, our murder mixtape drops, and we're covering the murders of Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis. This is a story of two girls who disappeared in similar fashion months apart, and their disappearances were unsolved for months until a tip came in that pointed the police to exactly who took them. And you're going to want all your windows open. It is, oh, it's so mad. Yes. It's so mad. It's so mad. Am I British all of a sudden? Apparently. Bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On Friday, we drop our last episode of uh, our doc jam, The Way Down. So this is a docu-series. It's a five-parter, and it's actually a cult that's in our own backyard. I didn't know about this until we started covering this, but it's, it's still a cult going on today. So um, the last episode drops this week. Yes. And of course, Sunday, we drop our weekly catch up episode. We lovingly call it the T to the Fourth Power Y, some time to talk to you. We also refer to it as the titty. And we just gab about life. We talk about whatever we want to talk about, but it gives you guys uh, some insight on who we are as people and some personal some personal stuff about us. So if you guys want to check that out, it's Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so go to patreon.com killer queens pod to get all these bonus episodes and Keep in mind, all the episodes are ad-free, so if you want to listen to this episode and you don't want no ads, hit pause right now. Go join that Patreon. At every single level, you can get this episode ad-free, and any episode we drop on our main feed will have no ads over on the Patreon. Yay! And now, on to the show. On April 22nd, 1974, the Hi-Fi store in Ogden, Utah, was the scene of one of the most gruesome, inhumane attacks in U.S. history. Over the course of a few hours, hostages were tortured, raped, and shot, while the perpetrators loaded up stolen audio equipment to sell later. The city of Ogden was on edge after the murders, but suspects quickly emerged and were arrested. Of the five hostages taken that night, two survived, and one of them was able to testify in court about the horrors they endured. All right, so let's talk about Ogden, Utah. Beautiful Ogden, Utah is just north of Salt Lake City and about 10 miles east of the Great Salt Lake. Along the city's eastern edge are the Wasatch Mountains, which provide ample opportunity for outdoor activities like hiking, mountain biking, or rock climbing. In the winter months, snowshoeing and cross-country skiing are also popular. At one point, the Flying J gas station, also fuel retailer, had their corporate headquarters in Ogden. It was also featured as one of the five towns for the ABC TV show Emergency Call, which features 911 calls and operators from five cities in the U.S. hosted by Luke Wilson. Wow. Never heard of such. Mm -mm. I've heard of Luke Wilson, but. Sure, sure. Yeah. I didn't know I could have an intersection of Luke Wilson and true crime. Mm -mm. Interesting. Over the years, celebrities and athletes have called Ogden home, ranging from Nolan Bushnell, the founder of Atari and Chuck E. Cheese, Ooh. That is somebody who I'm a big fan of and didn't realize it because I didn't know his name. To Getty Watanabe, Long Duck Dong and Sixteen Candles, amongst several other things. Oh my gosh. I literally, <laughs> I know, I quote him all of the time, especially to my dogs. I don't know why, but I'm like, what's happening and hot stuff? Or like, <laughs> you say that all the time. I really do. Or like, I call them my sexy girlfriend. I don't know. I think it's funny. Okay, Arguably, the most famous people from Ogden would be the Osmonds, who eventually transitioned to Donnie and Marie. Osmond. I know them. Not personally. Were they LDS? I'm not sure about that. I don't know about that either, but I'm just wondering now that, like, I didn't know that's where they were from. Salt Lake City serves as the home for Latter-day Saints Church, uh, Mormonism, so that's LDS. There are several members of the LDS faith in and around Utah. Around 60% of the state's population—that's a big state, Mm -hmm. too—are LDS members, which equates to around 2 million people. California is the second most populous LDS state with around 750,000 members of the church. Ogden was pretty much exactly what you would expect from a mid-sized city in the late 70s. Not too busy, just everyday people going about their lives. Wearing bell bottoms. Mm Mm-hmm. Just south of Ogden sits Hill Air Force Base. It's the Air Force's second largest base by population and geographical size and is home to many operational and support missions. The base is also the largest single-site employer in the state of Utah, with an economic impact of more than $3 billion annually. Wow. Yeah, that's heavy-hitting. During World War II, Hill served as a maintenance and supply depot in support of the war efforts. They operated 24 hours a day as battle-worn planes would be sent there from the war uh, front to be quickly repaired and then sent back out to the fight. So, as you listen to the episode today, there's a good chance you're listening on your phone, probably. If I had to think about our um, analytics, I think it's like 70% of you are listening on your phone, maybe. Um, Downloaded from a podcast app. Maybe you're streaming it on Spotify. Um, Don't forget to catch us live every Tuesday morning on the Spotify Live app, if you do. Uh, But maybe you're listening in your car on a drive to or from work. Or maybe you've settled in with a set of headphones and an adult bevy to unwind whatever you're doing you're listening to this pretty easily you don't have to jump Mm -hmm. through a lot of hoops is the main point here but back in the 70s and 80s if you wanted to listen to music in high quality you had to invest in a sound system that took up more than half of your living room (laughs) you're inside of the radio exactly you live you now live inside your radio and it would cost you a pretty penny no doubt If you did want to invest and get a quality setup to impress the neighborhood, you would have to venture out to a specialty store that catered to the needs of an audiophile. Cassette tapes were well on their way to replacing vinyl as the preferred medium for most people because of the ease of use and ability to quickly copy from one tape to another. It was essentially like Napster before the internet. Mm. I mean, we did that all the time. We would certainly, we had that giant six-disc changer. Now, This was obviously the 90s, not the 80s and 70s, but it had the two cassette tape things and it had the record button. So you better believe every time I finally heard the song come on that I wanted to have my own copy of because I wanted to hear it whenever I wanted to, I would have, you know, you have to run over there, you hear it coming on, you hurry up and hit record, hope to God the DJ shuts up. (laughs) They don't take up half the song talking. Well, and I mean, you're camped out by the radio because you don't want to miss the precious few seconds of the very beginning. Yeah, You hear that first bar, you got to hit it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5 hetravel travel at 5-HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5-HourEnergy.com and use code 5 hetravel travel to save
1: 20%. But if you wanted to be able to listen to all this in, in high quality you would visit the hi-fi shop in Ogden. On the morning of April 23rd, 1974, the local Ogden newspaper headlines were all about the same thing. But what were they talking about? They all told the story of the robbery and homicides at the hi-fi shop. The police at this point didn't know who the perpetrators were or where they should be looking. They were still piecing everything together, the clues that they did have, right? So, On the evening of April 22nd, 18-year-old Michelle Ainsley was working behind the counter at the hi-fi shop. Michelle had only been working at the shop for about a week or so. She was engaged with a wedding date set for August later that same year. Working with Michelle was Stanley Walker, who was about, who was 20 years old. Stanley had been working at the shop for a while, and this night was essentially the, he was the manager on duty in charge of closing up for the night. Some articles indicated that neither Michelle or Stanley were actually scheduled to work that night, but they were filling in for other employees. I mean, like, I don't know. For some reason, that almost makes it more like, especially if they weren't even scheduled that night, it almost feels more tragic. I mean, it's tragic Mm -hmm. any way you slice it, but it's just like, ugh. And Michelle had just started working there. like, Yes. Like, yeah, literally just started. Yeah. It's so sad. So just before closing at 7 p.m., two vans pulled up to the store and four men exited and entered the store, leaving two men outside, one in each van. The four men inside pulled out handguns and began to threaten Stanley and Michelle. Within a few moments, the men had both Michelle and Stanley down in the basement of the shop bound and gagged. Once they were tied up, the four men set out to rob the store of any and all equipment they could get into the vans waiting outside. Okay, so before we go further into the story, we need to talk about the men that perpetrated this crime. Several articles said that there were six men involved, but everything you look up about this horrific crime only mentions three men being arrested and convicted, and those men are Dale Selby Pierre, he is referred to as Selby, William Andrews, and Keith Roberts. And years after the crime, one officer stated that they knew six men were involved, but they only had enough evidence to convict the three that we knew about. I wonder if the three that were convicted just didn't give up the names of the other ones. It's possible, but I also think there is a possibility that they weren't there for the majority of the crime. Yeah, but you'd almost think that they'd want to give up other names just to like try to lessen the blow on them. But yeah. Well, yeah, that's why I'm thinking that maybe, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, the fact of the matter is we only know about the three. So yeah. Yeah. Shortly after Michelle and Stanley were taken into the basement, 16-year-old Courtney Naisbitt entered the shop. He was immediately taken to the basement and tied up as well. Courtney had been in the area at different stores but couldn't find a parking spot. So he had gone in and talked to Stanley and asked if it would be okay if he left his car in front of the hi-fi shop while he ran his errands in neighboring stores. You guys, the sweetest kid. He's like, can't find a parking spot. Ask permission. May I park here, please? Yeah. And literally just wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, the only reason he comes back is to say thank you. I know. Precious. Mm. The men, you know, okay, so he's just stopping by, right? So the men are continuing to load their vans and at some point the three unknown assailants leave with one of the vans, leaving Selby and Andrews inside and Roberts is outside of the remaining van. So around 9 p.m., Oren Walker had arrived at the shop. He knew that the store closed around 7 p.m. and he was concerned that his son hadn't arrived back at home yet. This is Stanley's dad. Yes, I'm so sorry. Yeah, this is they don't, they Stanley's don't dad. These. So yes, Stanley had missed the family dinner, which was not normal, especially without a phone call or anything. And Oren later said that they had just recently purchased a Jeep that Stanley was driving and drove to the shop to see if there might be an issue with it that Stanley needed help with. All of these people, like seriously, all of them, wrong place, wrong sweetest time, sweetest salt yes. of the earth. Like, just checking to see if you got it. You're okay, yeah. And yeah, the, all- you know he knows the shop closes at seven. It's after nine, and he's like, "Okay, something's going. Let me go check on him." Yeah, let me just so go check. Sad. And they're all thrown into this horrific nightmare mm-hmm. of an evening. It's awful. So, you know what this kind of reminds me of is the um, the Wichita massacre. Yes. Uh huh. Where like, you know, there were just people over at the one house or whatever. And they end up just like, it's like everybody they encounter, you know, they, of course, attack. But it's like these people were just like spending the night at the house. And I don't know. Or like somebody mm-hmm. was just there hanging out. And it's just like com- becomes a whole thing. Like, it's just awful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when Oren walked into the shop, no one was in the main area. And he heard a noise coming from the basement. So he walked towards the door. And as he got there, a man with a gun appeared and told him to get in the basement. As he walked down, Stanley saw his father and began to yell. He yelled out, asking his dad why he was there. But he was just so upset at seeing his father in the situation. Mm. And he was yelling at uh, the other hostages. Or as he was yelling, the other hostages began to yell as well. And one of the men fired two warning shots into the wall to get them to quiet down. So now. It's about two hours after the shop is closed, and there are four hostages at this point. So Stanley and his dad, Oren, Michelle, Mm -hmm. and Courtney. Yes. After the shots were fired into the wall, Michelle and Courtney began to beg the assailants for their lives. Oren and Stanley also tried to talk to the men, and they tried to reason with them, saying they wouldn't be able to identify them. They had no idea who they were. They told the men, take whatever money and jewelry you want and just leave. And while this is going on, then... Door upstairs opened up again, and this is now Courtney's mother. Jeez. 52-year-old Carol Nesbitt entered the shop, and again, she knew that Courtney was in the area and hadn't returned home. She saw his car parked in front of the Wi-Fi, or Wi-Fi. Wow. not The high- f- They were ahead of their time, weren't they? The <laughs> Wi-Fi. Um, she saw his car parked in front of the hi fi and assumed that he was in there, and as soon as she was in the store, one of the men appeared from down below with a gun and took her into the basement as well, tying her up along with Michelle, Stanley, Courtney, and Oren. So at this point, they've got five hostages tied up in the basement. There are two men with guns in the shop. This is Selby and Andrews, and one man out in the van, which is Roberts. Selby told Andrews to go get something from their van, and the hostages couldn't hear what he was saying. They could only make out a little bit here and there. Andrews left and quickly returned with a paper bag that had a bottle in it. Guys. Mm -hmm. Again, like, I'm not trying to be, like— but it's about to get rough. Mm-hmm. The two then poured some of the liquid into that was in the bottle out into a plastic cup. It was a thick blue liquid, and as they were pouring it, they told the hostages that it was vodka mixed with sleeping pills to knock them out. They said it would make them sleep for a while, but while they slept, the two men would finish loading up all the merchandise, and they would leave. After they woke up, they would be found, they'd be set free, no harm, no foul, just like... Don't a worry about it. A crazy story to yeah, tell. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You'll, it'll just be that one time that you got robbed. No problems. Selby told Oren to take the cup and to give it to the other hostages, but he refused. He was rebound, gagged, and laid face down on the floor. The two men then sat each hostage up into a sitting position and forced the liquid into their mouths. It became apparent very quickly that it was not vodka mixed with a sleeping pill. It was, in fact, Drano. Immediately after being force-fed the draino, blisters began to form around the hostages' mouths and lips. Their tongues and throats were burned by the chemicals and they as they ingested it, the flesh around their mouths began to peel off. I know. I knew before this. Drinking Drano, I think that's bad. Um, I didn't know how gruesome it no, was. I didn't honestly. either. Yeah. Oren was the last one to be given the Drano, and as Selby and Andrews were looking away, he let it slip out of the side of his mouth. All the hostages had been screaming and experiencing convulsions. Hmm. So Oren mimicked them as he laid there. I mean, brilliant. As the two men waited, they began to get impatient. They then gave the hostages another round of Drano, hoping it would speed up the process of killing them. And you guys, when we tell you why... Mm-hmm. Just... Oh, 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 my windows, God, the, windows, yes. windows open. Go ahead and get the matches ready, I think. Um, yeah. So we've got again, we're going to we're going to figure out like a, a definitive scale. But around here, we throw shit out the windows when we're just enraged by a case. And uh, we'd like to warn you how open your window should be just so you don't break your own furniture and windows. It's a liability thing. Sometimes we throw just items out the window. Sometimes we throw whole entire people out the window. We don't know what's going to happen. Right. Sometimes you have to just burn your entire house down and start over and there is no way around it. No. This is one of those cases. Honestly, sometimes you have to throw your own ass out the window. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, just researching this case, I threw my ass out the window, came back up, did it again. (laughs) That's a lot of ass throwing. Yep. And my hands are, I mean, what was I supposed to do? I don't think that there's anything you could do. Wrong place, wrong time for my ass. So, yes, go ahead, get your ass ready, throw it out, come back in, do it all over again. You might want to burn the whole house down. I don't know, but it's we're in for a doozy here. So, we're in for a doozy for sure. Hey, y'all. Did you know that we release an update all about us and what we're up to each week on our Patreon? It's called T to the Fourth Power Y, which is some time to talk to you. A nod to Not Another Teen Movie. Mm-hmm. And it's where we just gal pal with you about life, what we're watching, our love for Cracker Barrel Italian dressing. I mean, honestly, the sky's the limit. You never know what you're going to get, really. Mm-hmm. If you want to catch an episode without being a patron, you are in luck. Just head over to killerqueens.link slash... T-T-T-T-Y, okay, time to talk to you, four T's and a Y, and you'll get to hear a full episode for free. And you can get these episodes every single week along with every single regular release episode ad-free for as little as $3 a month. That's less than half the price of the coffee I get at Starbucks, so. I know, that's crazy. I know, what a deal. Mm Mm-hmm. And for $10 a month, you get all that plus our other two Patreon-exclusive shows, Murder Mixtapes, which is a full bonus case each week. Recent cases are Tara Grinstead, Hannah Cornelius, and New York Body Snatchers, just to name a few. And you also get our other Patreon-exclusive show, Doc Jams, which is where we cover true crime documentaries episode by episode. We've done Don't fuck with cats. We've done Crime Scene on Netflix. They have Cecil Hotel and Times Square Killer. We've done The Jinx. We've done so many more. So be sure to head to killerqueens.link slash (laughs) T-T-T-T-Y to get your free episode and hundreds more episodes to download right now and binge when you become a member of our Patreon community. As they gave Courtney the second cup, they poured too much in his mouth, and it poured over and down his face and neck, instantly burning as it went down his body. I, I, I literally had no idea. Like, I've used Drano on our bathtub before. I never realized if I got any on me how bad it would be. Like, And, I mean, there it could be that they have changed the formula because this is 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh so God, they, they could have changed things up mm-hmm. a little bit, but it's a completely very corrosive and very yes. dangerous chemical to be working with. Absolutely. No doubt. At this point, the hostages are screaming and convulsing, and the two assailants decide to put duct tape on their mouths to stifle their screams to try to keep the sound down. When they tried, though, the adhesive of the tape wouldn't stick to their faces because of all the blood and flesh that was peeling off because mm. of these chemical burns. What pisses me off super bad is all of it. I'll just say that. Um, But, you know, specifically. So they have put these people into this ridiculously painful, torturous experience. And they're like, oh my God, could you stop being so loud? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Please be quiet. Maybe don't poison people with Drano and inflict chemical burns where their skin is peeling. I just, I'm so glad that no living being is inside of this office right now with me except for myself, but I'm ready to jump. Yep, I mean. Oren continued to imitate the others, praying that he would be able to get out of the situation. As the victims were laying there, suffering from the Drano, destroying their bodies, Selby went over to Michelle and told her to stand up. Okay, I'm just giving an additional warning. We've already mentioned that we were going to discuss rape, This is where it is. If you need to skip ahead, go ahead and hit the skip button. She stood up as she was told, and he took her to another room in the basement. And in that other room, he told her to undress and he raped her. Some articles say that he did this multiple times over the span of 20 to 30 minutes. Some say that Andrews came over at one point and watched. After he raped her, he allowed Michelle to use the bathroom and then brought her back to the other hostages naked. By this time all of the hostages had begun to vomit selby again frustrated by the time it was taking the victims to die because now now it's inconvenient yeah i mean he's got a tight schedule this was take it wasn't supposed to take this long no i mean clearly when he scheduled his day out he allowed what an hour or so for all of them to die Mm -hmm. which is the least they could do well, and I don't think that he included all of the noise. It's like no, he's the Grinch. He didn't. Noise, noise, yeah. noise. He didn't plan for the noise, and he, he certainly didn't build in the buffer time for the amount of time that it would take people to die as he's poisoning them. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I feel like when he was writing down his schedule, he was like, okay, an hour for them to die quietly. Hmm. Yeah, quietly dying. Ugh. Horrific. Okay, so at this point, he's frustrated. They're not dying. They're just, they're being tortured. Mm-hmm. And he decides, forget this. So he pulls his gun up and he shot Carol and Courtney Naysbit in the back of their head. Then they shot at Oren, but missed. Because Oren at this point is faking convulsions mm-hmm. because he's trying to make them think that he's being poisoned as well. And, and he definitely has experienced burns, but he's moving. And so when they shoot at him, they actually miss. Then they shot at Stanley, or they shot Stanley in the back of the head, killing him. They turned back to Oren and shot him, but the bullet grazed him. He laid there, though, pretending to have been killed. I mean, it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. They shoot him in the back of the head, and it grazes his skull. It doesn't actually penetrate, which is just incredible. They then turned to Michelle, and as she begged for her life, shot her in the head, killing her. During their trials, Oren would testify that Michelle's last words were, "I am too young to die." And again, she was she was supposed to get married like a month later. She was eighteen years old. Eighteen years old. After shooting Michelle, the men went upstairs and continued to loan their van, load their van with equipment, because that's important. Still, one of them went back down to the basement to check on the hostages, and they saw that Oren was still alive. All right. Again, this is another really rough part. Mm. This is very gruesome, so if you need to skip, please do so. Selby got on top of him with a wire and tried to choke him. Um and he tried to almost like garrote him, you know, kind of like using his body as leverage or whatever, but he wasn't able to kill him this way. Later Oren would say that while he was being choked, he was able to position his neck and head in a way, while tensing his neck muscles to allow a small amount of air to pass the wire, I mean, I th- this man was like was meant to survive this encounter. Absolutely, there's just the no two ways about it. The amount of times that they tried and failed to kill him, yeah, thank God, yeah, but because listen to this, mm-hmm. they don't kill him by strangling him. They can't do it. So then they took a ballpoint pen and jammed it into Oren's ear. And he's on the ground. So Selby stomps the pen several times. It goes through Oren's eardrum, rupturing it before it came out his throat. The pen went all the way through and it finally broke. And he survived that. I know. And I do not think that anybody can argue that this was not Extreme torture, yeah, yeah, exactly. With intent to kill, yes, a hundred percent. What else can I do to kill him? What else can I do to kill him? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's like I feel like in Selby's head, this is terrible. But I'm sure he's like, oh my god, why won't this guy die? Yes, like, that's exactly he was what he's doing. Yes, All of trying them. so hard. Why yes. are they still alive? I th- they should be dead by now. I thought this was going to kill them. And the fact that somebody would get frustrated that you can't kill... Like, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Unless I am in a a, a horror movie and the killer is coming after me and I'm Mm -hmm. like, why won't this guy die? Like, you don't get the right... Right. You don't have the right to be frustrated that you can't kill somebody. That's so... It's awful. I know. And like, and keep all of this in mind that he's so frustrated that they're not dying. And so he's finding other ways to kill them because he thought the Drano was going to kill them instantly. And we'll get into it. But just remember this because when we get to their defense and their appeals, Mm -hmm. oh, just fucking wait. (laughs) Uh, So after this, the two men left the shop and got into the van where Roberts was waiting and they all drove away. Almost three hours after everything began, Oren's wife and other son came to the shop looking for Stanley and Oren because they hadn't returned home. My God, the the fact—I mean, I am so glad, so so glad that they did not show up sooner. But exactly, it just shows you how sweet all these people are. Where they're like, "Why are you
0: home?" You mm-hmm. know what I mean?
1: Like, Let's, maybe yeah. some people would be like, "Well, oh them. well, yeah, well, yeah." Especially like a—you t- know—Stanley was twenty years old, mm-hmm. so. I think he would be—you know, he he still lived at home, but I think there's, you know, plenty of families that would be like, ah, eh, he was supposed to get off at 7. He's not home. He didn't tell us he wasn't coming home, but it's the 70s. We don't have cell phones on us all the time. So, like, he must have gone to hang out with a friend. But they were like, no, there's something going on here. Right. I can he see Ms. KB home. doing that with us, even mm-hmm. now, you know. <laughs> oh, a 100%. Yep. So, this is around 10 o'clock when Oren's uh, wife and other son come to the store. They go into the shop. It was pretty much cleaned out. Literally, everything that wasn't tied down had been stolen. Mrs. Walker immediately called the police. And then their son was, like, hearing noises from the basement. And so he called out, and he heard his father yelling to get help, which is incredible that he can even do that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, the will to live. I know. I know. And he ends up kicking the door in and— he sees the results of the carnage that unfolded just hours before. Mm. Stanley and Michelle were both dead. Carol, Courtney, and Oren were still alive and rushed to the nearest hospital. Unfortunately, Carol did not survive the ambulance ride and was pronounced dead when she arrived at St. Benedict's Hospital. Courtney was not expected to live, but he did survive and was hospitalized for 266 days. He was never the same though. He had suffered severe permanent brain damage and amnesia. Oren survived as well though he had severe burns around his mouth and face. He also suffered hearing loss from the torture that he endured. Mm. And all of this for what? Yeah. So I read that or I um I didn't read, I heard somebody read um it's this YouTube channel called The Casual Criminalist. They have an episode on this. I am obsessed with him. Oh my God. His name is Simon. I'm obsessed with him. He's British and he's like fucking amazing. And he's adorable. He's like, so I don't adorable. know, just his little mannerisms and stuff. I could, uh-huh. Yes, I love it. Yeah. So they said on there that they stole like $5,300 worth of stuff, which today would be $30,000 worth of stuff. But there were six people involved. No, 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 no. They stole $30,000 total, so split six ways. Exactly. So that'd be like $5,000 each today. No, no, no. I looked this up. $30,000 in 1974, right? Split six ways. That's $5,000 a piece. $5,000 in today's money, if that's the right way to say that because I'm a financial advisor, would be $30,000 a piece. No, they... What they stole? Okay, this is what I read. Did I get it wrong? <laughs> what they stole then would have been equivalent to thirty thousand total today. <gasps> I got it but wrong. I thought it was thirty thousand back six then. People. Yes. Okay. 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 Right. I mean, okay. And not that it would make sense if it was that much. No. 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 I just got but, it wrong because that was like, well, I mean, five thousand back then could have been could have been a, but people kill people for less. Well, than Well, yeah, that, exactly. But, but it's like. But it's even less. It's even less. So it's, you know, you're getting... Yeah, that's just outrageous. Yeah, you're getting $5,000 a piece and it's worth killing this many people? Oh, my God. And, like, what what boggles my mind is that the, it never occurred to them wear a mask. I know. Cover your face. Yeah, exactly. Put something over their head so they can't see. Like, there are so many other options, but their their whole thing was... We can't be identified. Everybody has to die. Everybody yeah. we come into contact with must die so they can't identify us. There there are other options. Yeah. And for stealing fucking stereo equipment. Yeah. It's just so ridiculous. I cannot believe this. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is they I don't want to get ahead of us ahead of ourselves here, but they did all of this for their $5,000, right? hmm Whatever. It's ridiculous. It's in nonsensical. It's crazy. But that's what they do, right? So then they can't even enjoy it because they get arrested directly thereafter. Like, for what? Exactly, it's- exactly. What did okay. you think was going to happen? Yeah, exactly. I just don't understand it. I do not understand it. But anyway, let's keep going because I've already given some shit away. So... Immediately following the attack, the police were doing everything they could to get any leads. But, you know, we're talking the mid 70s. So there wasn't really any forensics or anything like the present day. And Oren was able to give them an idea of who they should be looking for. He described the men to be, like, to the best of his ability. So, but it was a base, pretty basic description. He said, Black men from five, nine to six foot tall. This is a time, well, you could argue that still happens. Racial profiling. Mm-hmm was even more prevalent than, than it is now. 100%. And yeah. uh, in an area, I'm guessing that's 90%. Yeah. 98% probably more. Yeah. white folks. Yeah. So Sarah McLennan was driving home from work the day after the attacks and she heard on the radio about the heinous torture and brutal murders. She's a black woman and she said that it was a scary time that her son was 16 at the time and had his own car and he was pulled over for no reason other than he's black. One squad leader for, with the Ogden City Reserves said that, quote, every car that had more than one Black person in it was pulled over. So we're just going to not even try to hide that we're racially profiling them. Yeah. Apparently. As usual, the racial profiling did nothing to help further their investigation. It did, however, drive a wedge between law enforcement and the Black community in Ogden. Understandably sure. so. Yep. And we wonder why people of color don't trust police, absolutely, and law enforcement because you did this. Yeah. Uh, what did help the investigation though was an anonymous tip that was called in by an airman from the Air Force base. So oh, so be- actually, oh, you mean information helps? Yes, not just picking out every person of color or black man. Yeah. And being like, uh, you probably did this. Well, I mean, okay, you live and you learn, right? Well, now we know. stand corrected, right? <laughs> Months before the robbery, torture, rape, murders, Andrews had told this man, quote, one of these days I'm going to rob that hi-fi shop and if anybody gets in the way, I'm going to kill them. And here's something that the casual criminalist said on his YouTube video about it. He said, guess what guys? They weren't in the way. Exactly. Yeah. They were like, take what you want. Yeah. Please take everything, take anything that you want. It's not a case of them getting in the way. Nobody no. tried to to play the hero role and right. take them out. They were like, "Do it." Yeah, fine. Also I, and I we won't tell like we won't be able to identify you. Just go on. Yeah. It's senseless and completely intentional mm-hmm. murder. But okay. So after a few hours, the there were two boys dumpster diving in the area around Hill Air Force Base. And in one dumpster, they found wallets and purses. They looked inside and immediately recognized the owners as the victims from the crime that had been plastered all over the news. So they called the police and detectives were quickly on the scene. Fucking idiots. Let's they put it in get- the dumpster at our Air Force base where we live <laughs> and work. <laughs> With a spotlight on it, basically. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like, um, and you know what? We can talk all day long about what fucking idiots these guys are, but thank God they were. Thank God, yep. Once there, one of the detectives was looking at the crowd quickly gathering around them and thought that the person or persons who put the items in the dumpster might be there watching. So he said that he spoke loud and exclaimed when they found even, like, more items. He... Um, made it a point to put on a show when he removed evidence from the dumpster with tongs, making sure the crowd could see. Most of the servicemen watching had little to no reaction, just shock and horror. There were two men <laughs> who were pacing, <laughs> mm-hmm, who were pacing back and forth, raising their voices with one another and making wild hand gestures towards the dumpster. Wow! The next day, like they are literally holding up like a sign. That's like <laughs> lit up and pointing to them. And it's like, I did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. I know. Me. You're looking for me. I did it. Please pick me on the one. <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. Well, like, who who were these men? I mean, maybe they didn't have anything to do with it. Who were these men? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you asked. And I'm glad that you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. But actually it was Andrews mm-hmm. whom the tip had come in about. And the other one was, guess who? Selby. Oh. Yeah. Whoops. Okay. Yep. It was them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Roberts was implicated as well. They were each arrested and a search warrant obtained for their barracks. And yeah, they were actually active duty in the Air Force, stationed at Hill Air Force Base at the time. Perfect. Once they searched the barracks, they found several flyers for the hi-fi shop and a rental agreement for a storage facility nearby. Friggin' dummies. (laughs) Yeah. They obtained another search warrant for the storage unit, and guess what they found in there? Thousands of dollars worth of audio equipment, along with half empty bottles of Drano. Wow. They were, again, this happens more than you would think. These fucking dummies were like, to whom it may concern. Mm -hmm. Everything you need to put us away for life is right here. Um, XOXO, Selby, and and, uh, Andrews. Andrews. Yep. Exactly. police used serial numbers to confirm the equipment was stolen from the hi-fi shop and the men were charged with first-degree murder and aggravated robbery the three men were tried in a joint trial which started on october 15th 1974 during the trial the prosecution painted selby as the mastermind and andrews as the muscle oren walker testified as their star witness and was able to recount the horrors that they went through that night courtney unfortunately was unable to testify due to amnesia Roberts testified in his own defense that the men got the idea for the Drano by watching the movie Magnum Force. They had spent months trying to find a way to quickly and quietly kill someone. And in the movie, a sex worker is forced to drink Drano and immediately drops dead. You guys. hmm Because immediate- everything in the movie is true. Yeah. <laughs> like, so again, they give them Drano because they think they will immediately just totally drop dead. We don't have to worry about it at all. So again, just like mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Just remember that. Yeah, Things exactly. Do. Because yeah, I mean, it's it's obvious that they they were looking for a while to try to months trying to find mm-hmm. a way to kill someone quietly and quickly. So after seeing that, of course, they're like, oh my gosh, bingo bongo, that's the perfect way to kill someone. On November 16th, 1974, Selby and Andrews were both convicted of three counts of first-degree murder and two counts of aggravated robbery. Roberts was convicted of two counts of aggravated robbery since he wasn't in the shop when the murders took place. Honestly, he is super lucky. Yeah. Because, I mean, normally in a case like this, because robbery Mm -hmm. and rape was committed during, like, at the same time as these murders, Mm -hmm. he would normally get, and we've seen it happen time and time again, he would normally get a life sentence or convicted of murder. Well, dude, and also, I mean, let's not forget torture, Of a hostage in the act of murdering someone. Yep. I am shocked, but good for him, I guess. I don't know. He was given five years to life. That's a big, huge span of time. Mm -hmm. He served just under 13 years and was paroled in 1987. Selby and Andrews were both given three death sentences on November 20th, 1974. At a clemency hearing, Selby testified saying, quote, the crime took a course of its own. It wasn't planned that way. People kept coming in and I just panicked. Okay. What were you supposed to do? If you're bringing a thing of Drano, what were you supposed to do with it? Uh-huh. Did you panic and get the Drano after everybody came in? Did, somebody, did Robert's drive back home and get the Drano at that point? Like right. You brought it with you. Exactly. You brought it with you for a reason. Mm-hmm. You brought it because you believed What you saw in a movie. Mm -hmm. Now, Clint Eastwood is incredibly convincing. Great actor. Sure. But does that mean that you should do everything you see in a movie? Like, I I just. Because just because you saw, because somebody drank something in a movie and immediately dropped dead does not mean that that's what's going to happen in real life. And also, guess what? You shouldn't be um, making people drink things that make them immediately drop dead anyway. Exactly. So if that's the reason you brought it, because they keep using this defense that like, I, I, I didn't plan to kill anybody. I kn- I didn't think anybody would die. I was, just, uh, I was just trying to like keep them quiet or I, I didn't want them to die. I didn't know they would die. You brought it for the sole purpose that it would kill them immediately. So stop mm-hmm. that. And then you tried multiple other ways. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and when— the the administering of the Drano the first round did not work the way that you thought it would. You tried it again. Yep. Oren Walker also testified at his clemency hearing and said the following, quote, after he shot Mrs. Naisbitt first, then he was kind of prancing or walking in a manner that I got the impression he was kind of enjoying what he was doing. This has been hard for me. It's been hard for me to believe that I was ever involved with this. My son Stanley's life was taken with two shots and Drano. He tried five different times to kill me. Each one could have been lethal. It certainly has changed our lives. A hundred percent. Each one of those could have been lethal. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is why. I just okay. don't understand how they could, the gall of murderers that, mm-hmm. I, I I didn't mean to. hmm Oh, uh, I didn't know it was going to happen that way. Yeah. Why'd you bring a gun? Why'd you bring Drano? Why'd you um, yeah. stab him in the ear and then stomp on it? Like, yeah, why did you strike Why did you strangle him? Yes, why did you do any of these things? What was the outcome? What was the desired outcome? Because all I'm right. seeing is murder. Yeah, because it's any person who can reasonably think for themselves knows that any of these things would be fatal. Mm-hmm. That's why you're doing them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm honestly surprised they didn't like try self defense or something. Yeah, I mean, that would have that would be more believable, even though it's not. It would I be know. more believable than saying I didn't know that was going to kill them. Like yeah. that's just I didn't so, know ugh. any of the twelve different things I tried would kill them. Yeah, and luckily it didn't work for one of them, but or two, you know what I mean. Um, but ugh, the things that they have to go through after it's just so. At Andrew's clemency, his lawyers pointed to his age, nineteen, at the time of the crimes, and said that he was under the effect of drugs and never planned to kill anyone. Blah blah, blah whatever. Others said that he had to have some kind of idea since he admitted to being the one who brought the Drano. Like we said, his lawyer said he was a changed man, but his prison record indicated that he had repeat violations for setting fires, concealing makeshift weapons, possessing drugs and alcohol, planning escapes, and assaulting guards. Uh, Not real convincing that you're a changed man. Okay, so you have you have the fucking audacity! <sighs> I love when we get riled up. It's just, I mean, to ask for a clemency hearing. Mm-hmm. Now, who do we know that got clemency? Santoya Brown. Mm-hmm. She was a changed person, right? First of yeah, all, she was the victim of sex trafficking, but yeah, well, and I mean the the lengths and strides that she 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 worked her ass off, yeah, to get where she is today. So you 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 mean to tell me you're on the same level as Santoya Brown and let's look at your now I he was 19 at the time that I understand yeah but in in some way what he did was horrific but I do think that you can change I think that you can grow from that point or whatever but he didn't mm-hmm Repeat violations, setting fires, concealing weapons, possessing drugs and alcohol, planning escapes, and assaulting guards. What would he have done if he had escaped and somebody got in his way and said, "Aren't you that guy?" Mm-hmm. That you know, he would have he would have killed more people. Absolutely. I mean, these are uh, th- some of the things that he is doing: make setting fires, making makeshift weapons, and. Playing escapes, uh, assaulting guards, these things. Other than possessing drugs and alcohol, which, if we're talking about the crimes that he committed at 19 and the reason why he did it was because he's he's blaming blaming it on The effects of drugs. Yeah. But those are very violent Mm -hmm. things that he is continuing to do. What do you need to conceal a weapon for? uh, Exactly. For use or for just like having it? Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, exactly. The only thing that I would say, you know what, okay, he's gotten in trouble for this, but um, he is a changed man. Maybe I don't know. Taking two bagels instead of one, or you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Like, there are certain things that I think you know. It's like, oh, okay. Well, it, 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 there, there's proof that he's changed, even though he's getting a little in a little bit of trouble here, right? Yeah. None of these fall mm-hmm. under that category. So they sure don't. Yeah. Both men went through the appeals process and tried to get their convictions overturned several times, citing racial prejudice. The convictions were upheld, though. In prison, Selby changed his name 27 times in an attempt to shield his family name from the notoriety associated with his crimes. So if you were to watch The Casual Criminalist, Mm -hmm. the order of Selby's name, so it's Pierre, Dale Selby, Dale Selby Pierre, whatever. um, He changed it so many times and so he just went with a different order. So some people would um, would change the order of his names. Yeah, you might see it differently in other places. And racial prejudice absolutely went on in still that does. yes absolutely it still does and mm-hmm. that is terrible and hopefully one day we can overcome it i don't believe that's what happened here though no i no. mean because like they if you watch the casual criminalist and i know we're like referring to that a lot but um it's just so well done and it's it's it was it's very it was good. yeah it was a good watch um they talk about this but there there were a lot of changes around death penalty, whether it's um, legal and not legal and all these things. So at that time in Utah, you had to meet certain criteria to be able to you qualify go, for the yeah, qualify penalty. for the death penalty. And it's like that in, you know, usually when you've got like an aggravated murder charge, a felony murder, a lot of times then capital punishment can come on the table. So it's not like they met Even just one piece of that. Well, and there are 13 markers for that, right? And they met like eight or nine of them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've even just got like off the top, like that it was done in the commission of a robbery. That's one of the criteria. That there were Uh, hostages involved. Hostages involved, uh, rape, torture, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. using a poison. Mm -hmm. There Um, were so many different things Yes, and this is like torturing them during, before, or uh-huh. after killing have- multiple people at the same time, like right. in the same incident. That's one of right. it. Like there are so many situations of racial injustice in the the criminal justice system. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And those issues need to be brought to light, and we need to make changes there. I don't find that this was one of them. Right. These people did horrific things and it doesn't matter that they were black and it doesn't matter that their victims were white. Their victims were humans Mm -hmm. and no human should ever, ever, ever have to spend their last moments this way. And let's not forget the two people that survived and also got a life sentence because of the lasting, not even just psychological effects of what happened to them. Physical. They fought the Mm -hmm. physical side effects of this. They're the rest of their lives. Yeah. I mean, it's just horrible. It is. The two men were hated in the prison system, particularly on death row, where they were constantly on the receiving end of verbal abuse from the other inmates awaiting death sentences to be carried out. On August 28th, 1987, Selby was executed by lethal injection at the age of 34. On July 30th, 1992, Andrews was executed by lethal injection at the age of 37. On August 8th, 1992, about a week after Andrews' execution, Keith Roberts died by suicide. Mm. It said that he could not take the guilt that he felt over this case. And wasn't it, Selby's like last words when they brought him back before his execution was like, I'm looking forward to this being over finally. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you don't, you're not, you'll be dead. Yeah. Like, you don't get to enjoy it being over. Right. And I also, I just, I don't understand people who cause... A situation cause um, a crime, cause whatever it is, and then they all automatically turn into the victim. Like, but you you do realize this? None of this would have happened if, um, uh huh, if you hadn't fucking done it. Yeah, because Andrew's thing before his execution was like, thanks to everybody who fought to try to keep me alive. Like, because there were multiple organizations like backing them and trying to get them off of death row. And you know, regardless what you think about capital punishment, yeah, the death penalty altogether. There were many people behind them who were believing their, this is just a racial prejudice. Even though it is 100% proven that they were there, they did it. hmm And it was horrific, and it was senseless, and it was unnecessary if you're just going to steal stuff. Like, I just don't—why torture people this way? Yeah. I mean, this is gruesome torture. And, and allow people to get behind you and fight for you— When you know that you did it knowing what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Just awful. Oh, absolutely. In an interview later in life, Courtney Naisbitt said, quote, I lost myself, my identity, and they have fixed to me a new identity, which not very many people can associate with. Bless him. I know. For several months after the attack, Courtney didn't even know that his mother had been murdered or that he was a victim in the attack that took her life. On one of his first trips out of the hospital with his dad, Byron, they had this conversation. Courtney said, where's mom? How come she never comes to see me? And Byron said, Courtney, your mother was in the same accident as you and she's not as well off as you are. Courtney said, well, if she can't come and see me, can I go and see her? Byron said, you really don't remember, do you, son? Courtney shook his head, looking at his father and waiting. Byron said, your mother's dead, Courtney. And for a moment, Courtney just stared at his father. Courtney said, oh no, no, she isn't. Byron said, she really is. And we have to face the fact that she's gone. And Courtney's crying at this point, And he said, no, she isn't. She isn't gone. That is so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And as Byron going through almost losing his son and losing his wife in the same... Just, just tragic. Incident, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brutal murder, brutal attack. Like then having to go back and tell your son who doesn't remember anything about it, this happened to you? Like, he doesn't even know what happened to him. This happened to you and your mom was killed? Oh my God, it's just so sad. It is so sad. On June 4th, 2002, Courtney died from a long battle with an undisclosed illness. He was 44 years old. Oren Walker passed away on February 13th, 2000 at the age of 69. I just cannot believe, and I'm in no way diminishing what he went through, but I just can't believe that he that Oren, I don't want to say was in is in as good of shape as he was in, but you know what I mean? like yeah, he was able to testify. He remembered what happened. I mean, I just mm-hmm. can't imagine like everything that he went through and still retaining that cognitive ability is right. is incredible. Absolutely. I mean, he could have it's it's a wonder that he wasn't as as worse off than he was. And um he is I mean, both of these men just such survivors and it's so tragic. I mean, nobody deserves to die, no matter how old or how young you are. It does not matter. Courtney was 17. Mm-hmm. He was on the cusp of his life beginning. Yep. And this happened to him and Oren as well. I mean, he had a lot of years left. You know what I mean? Like, and to have to go through something like that and then have constant physical things that you have to overcome Mm -hmm. every day of your life because somebody wanted to steal $5,000. Right. Riddle me that. Like, I I just do not understand it. Exactly. It's just, what are you going to buy with that? Like, what? I... yeah. Just no regard for human life. No regard for human life. They did I no. mean they just they don't see people as people. And mm-hmm. that's dangerous. Like even if you are 19 when it happened, like I I understand. I'm I'm an advocate for not charging children as adults and taking In into, yeah, and taking into account that our brains are not fully formed at that age and the parts of our brain that Distinguish consequences and, you know, things like that are not fully formed. I understand that. But if you have the capability to do what they did to these people and keep going and, like, Mm -hmm. why aren't they dying? Why aren't they dying? And try another thing. And you try another thing. And try another thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reason, the reason that they strangled Oren and then put the ballpoint pen through his ear is because at this point, they've already let off too many shots. They were afraid that somebody was going to hear another gunshot. So instead of just giving him one gunshot, they do these other horrific things to try to kill him because they thought it would be quieter. Because mm-hmm. they're still looking out for, obviously, number one. Right. I just cannot. Yep. <sighs> Well, head over to, um, we always have an Instagram post that we post the same day as our episode comes out. So head over there. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Let us know what you think about this case. Did you know about this case? I did not know about it until we did it. I didn't either. I'm not sure how, but I didn't. It is just, it's it's amazing. It's, it's amazing to me that it was as bad as it was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It just feels like it should be one of those cases that is more well-known and it's just not. Yeah. But yeah, I had no idea about it. I found it to be incredibly horrifying and also very interesting to discuss, Yeah, if I may. Um, But it's just tragic. It's just awful. So go like watch or listen to something funny because you're going to need a palate cleanser. I mean, it's just, it's so heavy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We love you so much and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye, bye. Okay, before we go today, you know what time it is. Messing up your name time. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, We want to give a Hey Girl thanks to Adriana Salazar. Isabella Sorensen. Christina Rodriguez. Jedediah Gruber. Michael. Katie Renee. Kristen Kudahy? Kudahy? Kadahi? I don't know. Yep, I don't know. Christy Kazan, Nicole Sisko, Liana J. Williams, Rachel Holmes, Rachel Tassaro, Alicia Ragovic Brandon Crow, Margaret Churchill, Tanya Kay, Josie Sacameno, Mono, Mono, Julie Davis, Jordan, Sam Denton, Lindsay, and Simone Daniels. Thank you so much. We love you guys. We love you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye.